When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you listened to our All the Books podcast yet? On All the Books, Book Riot resident philosophy reader Liberty Hardy and several rotating co-hosts discuss the week's most exciting and intriguing new book releases from every genre. Stay up to date on the best new books with new episodes every Tuesday and get bonus recommendations for older books every Friday with All the Books backlist drop-in episodes. Never miss the buzz on the best new releases. Listen to all the books on Spotify or on your podcatcher of choice. Welcome back to Win in Romance, your place to go to talk about romance novels and romance people and romance landia and all the romance things. I am Jess. And I am Trisha. How are you out there in Tucson? Once you finally got back to Tucson after uh, our our book lovers convention, yeah, yeah, it was it was a trek, but I made it back, and now I'm hot. <laughs> yeah, that's very fair. I am in uh, <laughs> Tulsa, Oklahoma, for a couple more days, and we have had. I mean, there's flooding and there's thunderstorms, and it's. I'm very fortunate that I haven't been impacted by it, but boy, it is something else to see what is going on with all of the weather. Yeah, yeah, weather. But on a lighter note, I went to something called the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum today, and it was something else. I'll bet. Yeah, I kept looking for a romance section. Because, like, how do you have a cowboy museum and no romances about cowboys? Oh, yeah. I don't know. It was all hats and boots and rodeos and whatnot. I think you need to have another conversation with some locals. That's a really good point. On my way out of town, I will swing back through. And uh, let them know. Let them know how it needs to go from here on out. From here on out. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, well, we have a lot of fun things to discuss. But before we get started, you want to do our first ad spot? Absolutely. Let's do that. Thank you to Read Bliss, presented by Harlequin. Read Bliss is your video destination for all things romance and reading. Tune in to Read Bliss on YouTube every Tuesday and Friday for videos by romance fans for romance fans. Hey, you get to like watch that after you listen to all the books. Isn't that cool? You can find book roundups, author interviews, trope spotlights, bookish DIY projects, and more from Read Bliss's team of romance booktubers. So far, they've had interviews with popular authors like Gina Schwalter, Heather Graham, and lots of other people. And they just love romance and love to share with their friends. And you can join the discussion and see what they're reading at read underscore bliss on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can watch Read Love all that you want. And of course, check out all of their backlist. Um, so that's Read Bliss presented by Harlequin. Thank you all. Yeah, huge thanks to them. And we got a comment from somebody. It might have even been on our um, show notes on the Book Riot website. It might have been Paige who sometimes uh, mentions things on our site. So but somebody who had mentioned that they had been watching and paying attention and um, kind of following along with Read Bliss. So that was good. For, it's, it's always fun to get a personal recommendation. So now we have that one for all of you. Absolutely. 
Uh, so we mentioned briefly, Jess, our uh, exciting adventures. Um, it, for those of you who listen regularly, you know that we recorded last time from the Book Lovers Convention in New Orleans. Uh, and if you didn't listen to that episode, you should, if only because of how surprised we seemed at the end to have finished <laughs> the episode on time. When I was listening back to it a couple of days later, I was like, oh, wow, we really were just very taken aback by that. We had no idea. Well, you know. But anyway, it led to some conversations, I think, between you and I, but also offline with some other folks about that convention, about general book conventions, and about what we kind of find to be a good fit or not a good fit, what we're looking for. You have now done certainly at least two different types of conventions, because you do the Tucson Festival of Books, which is not romance-focused, and you've been now to the Romance Conference a couple of times. What what do you? What are your reflections on a um, book con and what you're sort of looking for or not looking for? What works for you and what doesn't? You know, it's interesting to think about because I think one of the things that I have to like mentally shift is that I've been to a whole lot of library conferences in my life. I've gone to probably seven or eight. Oh, okay. And I've been to more of those than I've been to any kind of con, book con, anime con, um, comic con, any of those. Um, so I have to like think about what I want in a con, but it's kind of the same thing that I want in a conference or a festival like the Tucson Festival of Books. Um, and that's in part because I am not very good at participatory activities. Um, sure. and also I'm a heck of an introvert and I need, I, I really like being involved and then I need to like go away. Um, so, <laughs> well, and can you talk for a second for those of us who don't know about how a, like a library conference is different or similar? Sure. So a library conference is usually several days worth of um, workshops and panels. It's very much a sit and listen kind of thing. There's a, a group of people telling you about something they did or some theories they have or the new trends or something like that. And more recently, they've gotten more participatory. They want you to talk to your neighbor about a subject that you're there or break into groups and play games or that kind of thing. Um, but I got really used to the sit and listen because that's what I'm there for a lot. And it could be about anything under the sun. I've gone to publicist panels. I've gone to panels about digital literacy. I've gone to panels about staff training. And they've all been kind of give me all of the information I want, and I will take it in and absorb it delightfully, as opposed to a con, which has those sit and listen kind of things, but also has like, things that are fun for participants, like costume contests and, and uh, that kind of thing. So, although I think there might have been a costume contest at the last library convention I went to, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, and those are the I'm, I'm with you. I think in that those are the things that are not as much for me. I mean, definitely there are people who get excited about them. I and mean, we saw at Book Lovers Con or at RT the last few years when there's a costume thing or a game thing or whatever, there's lines out the door and around the hall, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm with you in that. I one of the things that I've noticed that I missed for sure this year in book lovers con, but also last year in particular at RT is that I really enjoyed the first year or two that I was there, the panels of authors mm. talking about not even just how they work, but also topics like inclusion or feminism or um, racial diversity and romance or own voices writing or where they think the genre is going next, or just those kinds of things 
are more interesting to me than mm-hmm. like a game thing, like a bingo event with your favorite author, which, you know, is also great for somebody. That's a great fit for someone. It's just not my thing as much. I mean, I had lots of fun at cover model karaoke in Reno. I'm not going to lie and say well, that sure. I didn't. I'm glad that my friend dragged me because I was kind of like, eh. but you know, it was mm-hmm. delightful. And there was eye candy and music and singing and fun games and prizes. That was great. Um, but I also really liked, like, I'll throw an example out of the Tucson Festival of Books. Mm-hmm. We had a panel called Consent is Sexy. Actually, somebody uh, higher up than me changed it to Consent in Romance. But we mm-hmm. all know it was called Consent is Sexy. Exactly. And it was a really compelling hour-long conversation about consent in romance. And you know, I want to hear authors' thoughts on that because, you know, we get to see them on Twitter and they might write articles every once in a while, but it's it's really about like being able to connect with them in some kind of way. Um, because that's like, in the end, that's what I want. I want access to authors and if I can help it, access to their books. Well, sure. <laughs> well, and I think that's a big thing too. You know, like people get in line really early to go in and get books for a thing or yeah I don't I yeah I don't know I was thinking a little bit too I was having a um Twitter DM conversation with someone I won't mention who it was in case uh they would prefer that I don't but they were talking about they were kind of asking about my experience and what I thought and the um convention that this person mentioned uh that they have really enjoyed is actually the Baltimore uh book festival or festival of books I don't remember exactly what it's called which I think is a little bit similar to Tucson in that it's lots of different genres and um, different kind of discussions, but more panels and not really games. Um, But this person was talking about how frustrating it was because people and particularly romance readers didn't go despite the fact that they actually generally had a really good slate. They're in the, in the mid Atlantic area, there are a lot of great romance authors. Um, So they, they were able to generally get some really strong people to come to the event, but the, they had a hard time with audience And I wondered, and I don't know what your reflections on this would be having been to so many different kinds of these, but I wonder if there is a fear, if you are a romance reader going to a multi-genre event, that you are going to be judged in a different way or looked at differently for going to the romance events versus the, like at RT or BLC, it's all romance. So everybody's there for the same reason. That's actually one of my favorite things about it, right? Everybody just loves it. They're super excited to be there. But if you are standing outside of a nonfiction panel or a literary fiction panel or whatever else waiting for the romance panel to start is there maybe some wariness to kind of self-identify at a literary event as a romance reader you know um coming from my experience at the festival of books as um initially a, a visitor and then as someone involved that's definitely something that can happen like tucson doesn't have quite the the collective of romance people as the Mid-Atlantic does. But there's there's a good amount of people here who both write and read romance. And I think in the years leading up to my arrival here, I didn't really feel welcome at the Tucson Festival of Books. Oh, that's interesting. Even now, I think the number of panels that we offered this year was definitely higher than the year before. I've seen higher, but just even the amount of offerings has been low compared to other genres. Um, And I don't know if that's 
based on who they think is interested in attending or who they've seen attend, maybe because they feel like stigma prevents them from coming. Like, I'm not sure. And I kind of want to dig into that while we're in the low, low time of planning for that, because I'd love to draw more people. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I'm, I'm sure one that we will mention again. And like I said, you know, I had a, I don't mean to diminish um, BLC or the huge amount of work that I'm sure that people would have put in or, or how much fun it was. It was great to get to see you. It was great to get to see uh, my friend, Heather, who runs Smut Matters. It was great to get to see a variety of different authors and, um, you know, Sarah Wendell, who's our friend from uh, Smart Bitches Trashy Books, or, you know, we had a Mm -hmm. really good time. So I, like I said, I don't mean to diminish that, but it does seem to have shifted a little bit in the last few years. Um, mm-hmm. in part of it is just the scale. It's gotten a little bit smaller, um, which it needed to do, but, uh, yeah, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what comes next. I think the, um, watching to see what happens once KissCon is a bigger part of the picture or, mm-hmm. um, a polycon, which, uh, is Jennifer L. Armitrout's conference that she does, or, you know, even BookCon, which is going, I think it's, is it called BookCon? Is that even right? Yeah. BookCon is what comes after BEA. Yeah. So that's coming this weekend. And, I've seen all over Instagram and everything. There's a bunch of romance authors headed there. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, it'll be interesting to see what the evolute, I feel like the romance con world is in a little bit of a shift. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Absolutely. Yeah. What will romance cons look like in 2022? Stay tuned. Oh man. Yeah. Who's to say, Oh, we should have done pre- Well, maybe, maybe next year we'll do predictions. We'll wait and see, uh, <laughs> give ourselves a little bit more leeway. We can go from there. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. But yeah, so I guess before we get into our next topic, uh, I will do a quick ad spot, which actually I'm super excited about. I was telling Jess before the show. Uh, Our second ad spot is uh, that we are sponsored by Rebel by Beverly Jenkins, which is a book that I just read this week, and it was amazing. (laughs) It has all of those really great Beverly Jenkins things where it's very deeply rooted in history, but there's also just like a lot of fun, witty banter, but I'm sure that the ad spot actual language can say it better than I can. So uh, Valinda Lacey's mission in New Orleans is to help the newly emancipated community survive and flourish. But when thugs destroy the school that she has set up and then target her, Valinda runs for her life and straight into the arms of Captain Drake Levesque. As an architect from the old, from an old New Orleans family, Drake has a personal interest in rebuilding the city. Raised by strong women, he recognizes Valinda's determination and he can't stop admiring or wanting her. But when Valinda's father demands she return home to marry a man she doesn't love, her daring rebellion draws Drake in closer. So Rebel is the first novel in Beverly Jenkins' compelling new series. Um, it follows a Northern woman who goes south in the chaotic aftermath of the Civil War, as we talked about. And as I mentioned, Beverly's historical romances are always very deep and emotional, uh, and the steamy romance between Belinda and Drake continues the tradition. Um, she always includes real historical elements that are so well-researched and just really add so much dimension to the story. Um, and Rebel will definitely leave readers feeling fascinated by the authenticity. Uh, so yeah, I can definitely give a enthusiastic thumbs up for that one. You had mentioned at some point, Jess, that this one overlaps in a few different places. I picked up an overlap with the um, Indigo books that Beverly Jenkins did, you know, a decade or two ago. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there are some other connections, too. There's a lot of discussion of piracy uh, and how yeah. the Levesque family <laughs> is uh, rooted in piracy. Yeah. Which yeah. is fun. So 
I, I'm thinking there must be another connection there. I don't know. Yeah, the piracy, I think, is Winds of the Storm, which I haven't read. But uh, Through the Storm takes place mostly during the Civil War. I listened to it, so I can't really um, break down the components like I can when I'm reading texts. I don't know. Oh, sure, is. yeah. Um, and that was Raymond and Sable's book. Um, who, okay. Who you met at least early on. I'm only, I'm only like 15, 20% through mm-hmm. Rebel. Um, but I know that they have already appeared at least once. Yeah, there are a couple of um, very strong, happy couples in this book, or few, which like we actually discussed on our last episode, uh, is sometimes a flag that you are part of the way through the series. But I will say, <laughs> as we discussed in the last episode, even though you do see and uh, understand that these other couples are there and happy, you won't feel like you're missing anything. Like if anything, it will make you think like, oh, I should check back and see which other books these are. But I don't think you'll have any problem at all. I didn't have any problem at all um, picking up with Rebel. Uh, And so anyway, enthusiastic endorsement from us here at One in Romance. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. And huge thanks to Rebel by Beverly Jenkins and the team behind it for sponsoring today's episode. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Indeed. All right. Shall we uh, do a, a thing we sometimes like to do, which is meet a um, reader request, Jess? Absolutely. Or at least try. <laughs> well, let's. Uh, well, well, yeah, let's try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we got a request a little while back from uh, a listener who asked for some recommendations by own, uh, for own voices, um, Asian Pacific American, Asian American, Asian authors. Uh, and we wanted to do that, but we, it, these are always a little tricky because we want people to be able to find the books that they're looking for and that they're excited about. But we also hope that everybody will be reading diversely all the time. So <laughs> it's a little, um, tricky to kind of also to identify folks who have not identified themselves. So yeah. Again, I feel like I'm just issuing a million caveats, but we are excited to actually be able to try to meet somebody's request. But those are all of our caveats. Yes, those are our caveats. I don't know if Trisha went as wild as I did trying to make sure that we um, mentioned people that that we are familiar with, but maybe we don't talk about much on When in Romance or any other platform, but that also were people who had plenty of books that you could uh, dive into. Yeah. Check out their backlist, see if you were interested in reading more of them. Yeah. And I think you generally uh, do a better job of that than I did. Um, (laughs) But I think between the two of us, we put together a pretty, a pretty good, at least starting collection. And then of course there are um, so many Asian American and Asian uh, writers who are doing such good work that this will just get you on a good start, I think. Yeah. Good starts. And it's nice to find people once you've made that good start. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, do you want to kick us off, Jess? Yes, I will. Um, I will start with an author who is a recent discovery for me, um, even though I think I might have owned one of her books for several years before I picked it up. Um, And that is Piper J. Drake. She writes romantic suspense. Her most recent series includes a canine unit. So it's always nice to read books about people with dogs. Well, of course. <laughs> and um, her previous series, which um, I've read the first book of, but haven't gone through, was probably the first romantic suspense book I picked up that had an 
Asian American heroine and a Latino American hero. So that was fun. It was like, oh, these are my people. This is the kind of thing I need to read. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, not to interrupt you. I, well, I am obviously very clearly interrupting you, but that's yes. part of the own voices thing, right? You know, like mm-hmm. it's really helpful to get to read stories. I don't know. I think for those of us who are white people, it is our responsibility to make sure that we are remembering we are not the center of every story. And so, yeah, when you can have a people read about people who are different from you is my long and short of it. Anyway, thank you for coming to my interrupty TED talk. Sorry, Jess. <laughs> that, that is a great point, And I appreciate your TED talk. I look forward to the continuance of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that book is Hidden Impact. And it's I think it was published in 2016. There are like three books in that brief series. And then the her second series, and then she'll probably be coming out with more um, sometime soon. Um, but she just has a great writing style and language style. And I, I really like the way she develops her characters. And they're like whole real people. And I think Trisha was talking about last time, um, liking stories where the couple gets together early enough that you know that their conflict isn't going to be some capital B, capital M, big misunderstanding. Oh, yeah. Is this one of those? This is one of those. And, you know, it takes a little bit longer, um, but the the two of them have an understanding and it's really about solving the the question that's involved in the rest of the book as opposed to all of, I mean, there's emotional stuff because this is a romance. Emotions happen. Obviously. Um, <laughs> emotions. <laughs> emotions. Um, but it's more about both of them being badass than dealing with, you know, you're too good for me. I'm too good for you. What's your brother going to think? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. That is amazing. And I will be one clicking this as soon as we're done. (laughs) Uh, So that was Hidden Impact. Hidden Impact by Piper J. Drake. Awesome. I'm very excited about that. I did something a little bit similar uh, in that my first rec is a romantic suspense rec. Um, and it's actually by Sherry Thomas. And I think we talked about this specific book, which is My Beautiful Enemy, a couple of months ago. But I wanted to recommend Sherry Thomas kind of broadly, because mm-hmm. I think you can find a few different kinds of books uh, if you are reading her books. And um, if uh, my looking around and understanding is correct, uh, Sherry Thomas is of Chinese descent. And her and My Beautiful Enemy is about it's kind of it's the second in a duology and i think we talked about this too you don't you don't necessarily have to read the first which is i think called the hidden blade um but you can or you can do a read this one um which features um catherine who is the daughter of a chinese courtesan who previous to when the book starts has been trained in you know battle and espionage and whatnot by her grandmother in china and she in this book is in england and she is wandering around trying to solve a thing and get a thing. I won't go into the details because <laughs> I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Uh, but she encounters uh, Leighton, who is an English adventurer. Um, he also has some espionage skills. And they have actually met before, as you will find out. This book is really fun because there is sort of a lot of back and forth. It feels a little bit like sort of a Mr. and Mrs. Smith kind of a, like you were just saying, like both people are rad and can totally hold their own. But they find out that even together, they may be able to put more of the puzzle pieces together. Um, So it is really fun. And they have some history together. 
But I will also say that um, a study in Scarlet Women, which kicks off uh, Sherry Thomas's Lady Sherlock series, mm-hmm. is a great book. All of the books that uh, you have come out so far in that series are fantastic. It's a gender bent um, Sherlock Holmes, and it's I think of it as romance, but I will say it's one of those sort of slow burn romances. So like you're not going to get to the end of the book and the couple is together. Mm. You kind of have to keep reading. But in that way, it's maybe better for the people who are a little bit more interested in kind of the mystery or the suspense and less excited about the romantic, romantic, that's not a thing, (laughs) romantic, (laughs) romancy, I don't know. (laughs) Man, after 35 episodes, you think I would know how to say romancy. I mean, no, apparently not. Um, But anyway, so if you are a little bit more on the realm of um, wanting to have a slower burn, the Lady Sherlock series, which starts with a study in Scarlet Women, which, as you may know, is a play on a title of a Sherlock Holmes book. Uh, that's a great one. But like I said, uh, My Beautiful Enemy is also a fantastic book by Sherry Thomas. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. It makes me think of like someone who enjoys like Gail, Gail Carriger might enjoy that oh, that kind yeah. of series because mm-hmm. it's got sort of the, the longer run of relationship stuff. Yeah, or if you've read uh, the Sherry Thomas books, maybe you should be reading Gail Character. Maybe. Either way. Those are real likes. I'd check it out. Either way. Yeah. All right. Who else you got? So this this author is slightly more in my face, at least, but that's because I follow her on Twitter. Um, sure. So it might be someone that you're familiar with or you've picked up. Um, I've mentioned her before. And that's Suleika Snyder. Oh, yeah. She is... South Asian American. And the book that I always tell people to check out is Tika Chance on Me, in part because it's called Tika Chance on Me. Like that's the the best pun title I have ever experienced. It's pretty great. But also because it's just amazing and people have really like gotten something out of it. And it's a novella, so it's not that long, but it's got so much heart in it. Also, um, pretty sexy. If you, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. if you are interested in knowing that kind of thing from the front, there's, there's the whole thing where they, they decide to have sex just because they are attracted to each other. So mm-hmm. yeah, if that's not your thing, don't check it out. If that is your thing. This is an amazing book. Yeah. If you're not sure, this is an amazing book. Mm-hmm. So that's Tika Chance on me, but Salekas been around for a long time and she's been writing quite a few things um she's got a bollywood style beauty and the beast book um that's part of a series with a lot of other characters who are part of the bollywood life and uh, she's got like a collection of short stories she's got longer works so she's got plenty of you to check out different different places that she's written about and different kinds of people and different styles yeah, I think Seared is another book of hers. Yes. That I didn't dig in before we started recording. But if I remember right, I really like that one too. So Yes, if you like chef books. <laughs> yeah, we will link to a bunch of these in the show notes. And you can poke around and see what you are excited about. Absolutely. So my next one is another author who I basically love everything that she writes. Also um, of Indian descent. And Sonali Dev actually was born in India and moved to... Uh, the U.S. I think she lives in the Midwest now. And we have talked about her at least kind of in passing, but I don't know if we've ever actually taken a minute to talk in depth about a lot of her books. And the 
first one, well, we talked last week uh, in an ad spot about Pride, Prejudice, and other flavors. But if you are excited about that book or if you want to go back a, a little bit, one of my probably most often gifted romances is a book called A Bollywood Affair. Um, although everyone in that sort of loosely connected, very, very loosely connected um, series, you could pick up any one of them and be fine. It's a book of, you know, a set of four books that are, like I said, just very, very loosely connected. But A Bollywood Affair is about a woman from India who was promised to someone and essentially married at the age of four. And it, now it's like 20 years later, she has not seen her, you know, husband, but she uses the fact that she has a husband because she's super smart to get to do all this cool stuff that as a young Indian woman, she wouldn't necessarily have the flexibility to do if she was single. So she's gone to Michigan. So she's gone to the United States. She's moved from um, India to go to school using, again, her status as a wife because she has a little bit more flexibility there. And she's just hanging out, getting a degree, like living her best life. And then the brother, so the guy that she's technically married to, decides that he wants to marry somebody else because he got married when he was four. So he sends his brother, who is this big deal Bollywood director, to go to talk to uh, Millie and tell her essentially, like, you have to give me this divorce. But he doesn't exactly tell her who he is right away. And then there's wedding stuff going on. Like, there's... I don't know. It's a really fun, lovely book. Snally Dev, I think I've said that. I know I've said this before. It just writes with such depth and heart and emotion that she's her. You, you can't put her books down, which is a little bit of a teaser for another part of our show. Uh, but she's she just writes so beautifully. And so I would recommend anything by her. But if you're looking for a good place to start, uh, the Bollywood Affair, or sorry, a Bollywood Affair is a great place to uh, jump in. So that's Snally Dev. Absolutely. Yeah. I listened to that one early on in my um, listening phase, <laughs> which I, sure. I don't listen. I don't listen to many audiobooks anymore because I, I, I my commute is too short and I can't listen at work. Oh, yeah. But that was the first time I had ever started listening to a book at work, listened to it for my entire work day, went home, downloaded the ebook and finished it <laughs> because I just had to. Yeah. Had to. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And like I said, anything, if that one doesn't sound great to you, pick up a different one. Um, the Bollywood Bride is also really, really great. It's intense. There's a lot of really deep emotion in that one, but it's mm -hmm. also just so, so good. Really good. Yeah, I actually like that one just slightly more than a Bollywood Affair, which I loved, as you could tell from the whole listen and then finish it at home. <laughs> yeah. It's like, which one of the chocolates in this box are you most excited about? And you're like, oh, I'm good. All is fine. All is a good answer. <laughs> Absolutely. So I went with a, I don't know if you're going to call it untraditional choice or whatever. This author is of part Asian descent. So I'm just going to pull the black thing and say that he counts. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. Um, and that is Cole McCade, who also writes under the name Zen, not to be confused with Zan West. I don't, yeah, there's a thing there. But um, Cole McCade, oh, yeah. who we might have mentioned very shortly after Cocky Gate, um, but I, I, and I think we've both mentioned him once or twice, either in passing or with brief things about some of his books. But I wanted to mention the book that he wrote after Cocky Kate, um, which is called, um, sorry, 
his cocky valet, which is the first in what I what I think is a duology, unless he plans to continue. And uh, this main character is half Asian. He is the what do you call it? The heir to a large company, and his father is ill, and he just he he can't get his stuff together to just deal with all of the things that are happening. And he ends up hiring what he assumes is going to be like a personal assistant. And it ends up being this large British man who, you know, he wears driver's gloves and a hat and, um, and it takes on the role of the valet and also takes on the role of something else. Um, this is also, <laughs> I yeah. can't imagine what you might mean, Jess. <laughs> This is also yet another one of those very sexy books. I apparently just read a lot of those. And it does have a few content warnings at the beginning, but it's also very much about personal growth and getting your shit together and all of that. So it's his cocky valet. The author is Cole McCade, who is a lot of things, but also part Asian and should very much be celebrated during the Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month or whatever it's called now. Yeah, well, and we talked about that too a little bit. I don't, I don't, this episode actually will come out after that, which is okay because you can read any different kind of author any month of the year. Any month of the year, just like next month. Yes, I will be talking about, well, this month when you start listening to it, I will <laughs> be talking about a lot of queer authors and a lot of queer people, mm-hmm. but I do that all the time, not just in June. Which, exactly, all year long. All year long. And my last rec is one that somehow we weirdly have not talked about yet, which is both a sign that um, this one's pretty high profile, but also that we maybe sometimes do a good job of digging into the folks that aren't. But Mm -hmm. we talked at length last year about The Kiss Quotient by Helen Wong and her follow-up, The Bride Test, just came out uh, in May. And it is fantastic and lovely. Helen's this is sort of and starting with the end, but she, at the end of the book, she writes a really lovely and moving author's note about how her mother immigrated from Vietnam at a time when it was not uh, an easy thing to do. And it's a, re- like I said, it's a really, really moving note. It's, it's worth reading the whole book because it's great, but it's also worth reading it just to get to the author's note. Uh, and, you know, our friend uh, and colleague at Book Riot, Annika B. Klein has talked about how this is as much a book about immigration as it is a book about romance because Esme, who's the heroine in this book has essentially been recruited by Kai, who's the hero's mother to leave Vietnam and come to California for 10 weeks or eight weeks. I can't remember which it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. to help him fall in love with her, or at least to convince him to marry her. Mm -hmm. He's on the autism spectrum and he's in his, uh, I want to say like middle, late twenties, 26, 27, something like that. And he is not married. His mother would like for him to be married. And so she literally goes to Vietnam, uh, finds Esme, who's a a cleaning woman uh, there who has a young daughter as well. And so in order to sort of try to create a better life for her daughter, she goes to California. And this book is, it's such a really lovely reflection on communication and how difficult that can be. Mm -hmm. But it's not like we were talking earlier about, you know, like, oh, I didn't understand what you meant or what will your brother think or any of that. You know, it's, 
there are genuinely communication gaps between the way that these two people, you know, communicate. And <laughs> it's a, um, it's just a really lovely story with two characters who are a little bit different from the kind that you often see in romance. And actually one of the great things about Helen's note, I won't spoil it, but is sort of how she approached the heroine initially and then how that shifted as she was writing the book. And it's, yeah, it's a, it's again, if you are listening to this podcast, you've probably heard of Helen Wong, but it's worth noting that this is only her second book and it is Mm -hmm. just beautiful and lovely and really, really wonderful. And the representation, I think, of the Asian culture, both from a second generation American like Kaya's and a newly immigrated person like Esme is, is really lovely and, uh, and just well done and moving. And it's a, it's a great story. So that again is the bride test by Helen Wong. And if you haven't read the kiss quotient by Helen Wong, you probably should. Yeah. And you don't have to read them in order. You can read the bride test immediately because it is exquisite and delightful. And I had all of the feelings reading that book. Yeah. And that's (laughs) another one where the books are connected, but not so connected. Like they can certainly stand independently. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. So those are our recommendations. Again, all year round and all, you know, books ever, make sure you are reading and uh, reflecting on all different kinds of voices. Absolutely. Because it's more fun. The books are great. And also it is your responsibility as a citizen of the world to read all kinds of different voices if you are a reader. Absolutely. And this is obviously not an exhaustive list. This was what, six? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what? Maybe we'll do it again sometime. Yeah. We've we've each probably got seven or eight more to talk about. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we've already reached the point where we finished last time. Exactly. I know. Um, Although I will say this, I actually, when I was thinking about what books I wanted to recommend for this last segment, um, I was thinking about the books that we were going to talk about in our next segment, which um, we talked a little bit about unput downable reads because we are mm-hmm. entering the summer season where a lot of folks maybe are doing some traveling. If you're like Jess, you're doing 24 or 30 or 50 hours of traveling all at <laughs> once, getting stuck in multiple airports. Um, or hopefully instead you are by a lake or a pool or an ocean or on a vacation mm-hmm. place in the woods. And so maybe you have some time to read and sit for a while. So we figured maybe we could do some recommendations for unput downable books. And when I was thinking about our, our last topic, I was trying to think of which books by Asian or Asian American authors, I would recommend for that. And all of them are unput downable, but I did manage (laughs) to scramble up a couple of others. So I don't know. What did you come up with, Jess? Well, the first thing that I came up with just because it was still in my head, I think it was the last book that I completed was Teach Me by Olivia Dade, which just came out. If you're listening to this on Monday, it came out last Thursday. Um, And it is just... I I devoured it. Luckily, I was home not feeling well, but (laughs) I was able to just focus on the adorableness that was an ice queen teacher and a cinnamon roll teacher figuring out how to even like each other, let alone fall in love. And it was about teachers. And I don't read a lot about teachers. It's funny. I think I own all of Olivia Dade's Love Struck Librarian series, which you'd think I would have devoured, but I have not yet read any of them. Oh, I've read a couple. They're great. And um, so this was my my introduction to her. And now I obviously plan to go back and 
read the rest because I'll bet they're as unputdownable as this one. I would imagine so. I've heard so many good things about that book that like about this time last week, I just pre-ordered it and I was delighted last night at midnight when it hit my Kindle. Yeah, set aside some hours for it because you're not going to want to stop. Well, excellent. I look forward to, uh, I've got some, some random driving and stopping in very strange cities over the next few days. So I look forward to it. Huzzah. All right. So I went in kind of a similar way that I started the last topic. I went with kind of a romantic suspense angle on this, but I love a romantic suspense that also has some humor in it. And as I mentioned before, uh, Victoria Dahl is an expert at that. So her Tumble Creek series, which starts with Talk Me Down, there's some element of sort of like damsel in distress kind of stuff, but Victoria Dahl never does the traditional of anything, let alone, um, yeah, she hasn't, I don't think meek heroin is a thing that she would even be able to comprehend. Uh, So in the first one, like I said, I like the whole series, but the first one, um, Talk Me Down, there is a uh, erotic fiction writer named Molly who is returning to her hometown. Um, She inherited a house, but also because she's kind of being bothered by a creepy ex nobody knows what her job is. So there's like a lot of humor and fun and people like trying to guess it and her trying to make sure that they don't guess it because she wants to keep her identity (laughs) secret. Um, Uh And she happens to run like her her first trip to the grocery store because that's always how it goes. She runs into Mm -hmm. Ben, who is the chief of police and with whom she also has a little bit of a complicated history. Mm -hmm. So there is very much a element of humor and banter and fun, um, as there always was with uh, Victoria Dahl books, the kind of small town romances that I think are kind of a little bit subverting the small town romance genre. And there is for sure some romantic suspense and, uh, you know, figuring out what's going on, who is stalking her, what kind of danger she may end up in, all of that. But um, I, my first unputdownable book is Talk Me Down by Victoria Dahl. And I will have to check that one out because I think it's uh, sitting on my shelf. Oh, perfect. You're all set then. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) Like I actually like plucked that off the shelf of my local used and took it home with me. That was one of those things. Yeah. So I'll I'll definitely be checking that one out. Good life decisions, Jess. Good job. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of my other unputdownable books, I don't know what it is. These are the books that I read on sick days and they make me feel better. So they just... They leave a lasting effect on me, I guess. But this one is a little older, and it is Riven by Roan Parrish. It's the first in a series about people who sing and play instruments. Um, this one particularly made an impact on me because um, one of the protagonists, the one who is like the rock star, absolutely big name, recognizable on the street, absolutely hates it. He just wants to play his music and sing and write and maybe produce some stuff for people who were as underprivileged as he was. But he hates the rock star life. He doesn't like being recognized and he just wants to sort of hide. So he's like dealing with some mental health issues by walking alone through New York in the middle of the night on a regular basis. And um, is pulled into a kind of divey bar by the sound of a guitar. And he and the person who was playing it hit it off right away. They walk together through New York and have a nice night. And then Theo has to go on tour. Sure. But he can't stop thinking about this person. So he shows up at his uh, farm in upstate New York 
I think they're in New York, and just sort of like takes some recovery time for himself to be like alone, gardening, and all of this other. It's just, it's it's such a wonderful book. And Roan Parrish has this this writing style that really draws me in. I know some people don't like something like some some element of writing that involves beautiful sentences. <laughs> Um, but I am not one of those people. I love beautiful sentences and I will read them over and over again if I have to. Um, and Roan Parrish does a lot of that. Um, so maybe this book was unputdownable for even longer because I had to like go back and read a whole page. I don't know. It was a while ago. Um, but that is the first in a three book series. The second one, Rend, is out and the third one, Raise, comes out relatively soon in like a month. Yeah. It's funny how it's sort of strange to walk around in New York in the middle of the night by yourself. But as soon as you're doing it with someone else, it's romantic. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That's true. Um, All right. So my other one is a book called Think of England by K.J. Charles, which I can't remember if we talked about this one or not. And the setup is essentially, so it's a historical romance. I always get the different time periods confused. So I'm not going to even try to pretend whether I know it's Victorian or I think it's more like World War II. I don't know. You know what? I'm just pretend I never said any of that. I have no idea. The book is set in history. From what I remember, I think it's like Edwardian. Okay. I believe you. Just said that, <laughs> not me. So if anyone is wrong or if there's any credit to be given, it's all hers. Uh, it's me. So, Blame me. <laughs> so Archie, Captain Archie, sorry, uh, gets invited to this very fancy country house in England to spend a few days. Um, so he goes and it's great and he's charming. But he actually has an ulterior motive because he thinks that um, the family and particularly the patriarch of the family who invited him may have been involved in a military accident in which he was injured and uh, some of his friends and um, fellow soldiers were killed. So he's kind of gone with this motive to do some investigating and figure it out. And um, when he's investigating, he comes across Daniel, who is also at this fancy country house for a few days, and he has some suspicions of his own. And I was, at first, I was a little bit hesitant to talk about this as unputdownable because it's also filled with suspense. But part of the suspense is whether or not people are going to find out or assume that Archie and Daniel are together because mm. at that time it was illegal. And so it feels weird to be like, oh, the suspense is whether this thing that shouldn't be illegal is going to be found out. But um, KJ Charles does a really sort of interesting thing in kind of flipping that concern in that at one point in the book, Archie and Daniel get taught, caught together in an intimate situation intentionally because they would rather have people think they were together than that they were investigating any nefarious actions. And so um, <laughs> that's not giving too much away, I hope, but it is. Uh, it was a thing I was thinking about when I was thinking about a few different queer uh, historical picks that I have really enjoyed and have thought were fantastic. And I, I, like I said, I really appreciate the way that that trope is a little bit flipped here. So again, that is Think of England by K.J. Charles. Also not super long, so it's a good one for a beach read or something. Nice, nice. I'm going to throw out a bonus one that I haven't actually finished yet. I did put it down. I'm so sorry. I hated to put it down, um, but I had to go to the courtroom while I was in jury duty. Sure. Um, and that was Aisha at Last by Uzma Jalaluddin. Oh, yeah. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. I'm so sorry if it's not. And uh, that is a modern retelling of Pride and Prejudice 
set in Toronto. I think it's Toronto. And so far, it is just delightful. And I love the characters and I love the setup. And I even love the setup of the not good characters. And I can't wait to go back to it, which I will be doing once we finish recording. And I'm actually going to hold my uh, bonus pick because as is not surprising to anyone, we're a little over time, but also um, I think it may actually fit into a different topic another time. So I will not mention it. So those are, those are your many uh, recs to lengthen your TBR today. <laughs> I think uh, well done for us, Jess. I, th- I think so. We did, we did a pretty good job. But do send us a note. Let us know, first of all, what you think of book cons, what you are looking for when you are going to a book con or a romance con. Uh, let us know which books and authors you would recommend who are writing own voices books and from an Asian or Asian American descent. Uh, and what books you have read recently that are unputdownable. Mm-hmm. How will they let you know, Jess? Well, you can always find me on Twitter at Jess's Reading. Or on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading. And, you know, the usual ways through comments or email. Of course. And I am at Trisha Haley Brown on both Instagram and Twitter. On Twitter, you can drop the O. Um, making life easier for everybody out there in the wedding mm-hmm. romance audience. But I think for now, that is from Tulsa and from Tucson. That is our show. <laughs> That is our show. Wow, look at that, Trisha. Look what we did. In the meantime, take all of those book recs and happy reading. Happy reading, everybody. Mm-hmm.